0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast Hi, I'm Jesse Hi, I'm Paul, I think (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm
1: Marissa, or am I?
0: (laughs) Maybe you're her her clone Um, It could be Or uh, doppelganger? that's another thing the Eidolon of you (laughs) Um, we're going to talk about Annihilation, a 2014 novel by Jeff Vandermeer and uh, the movie as well uh, which is I think an interpretation of the novel at least in some respects Mm -hmm. Um, I watched the movie first and then read the book and uh, you guys had you read this before? because this apparently was a big book a couple years ago
2: I, I, I read it when they came out and they were getting, it was the, the trilogy was getting award nominations. So I thought, okay, I will. I actually had bought the books and then decided, oh, I will just, I will buy the audiobooks too. Mm-hmm. I I read them and then had the audiobook sitting unlistened to until we said, well, let's do a show. And I'm like, oh, I have the audiobook. Perfect.
0: So you read it in, in paper or Kindle? Yeah, I read it
2: i read it in kindle back in 2015 or so
1: yeah me too i read it and then i listened to the audio when it all came out and then i bought it about five times for a bunch of different people because i
0: liked it so much wow that's interesting mm-hmm. um that's interesting did you buy it in, in digital and then gave it to people
1: no i bought uh paperbacks for people. yeah
0: that's that's even better i think that's cool um have you have you read jeff madameer before
1: I think that was my first. Like I've read other stuff of his since then. I've read um, Finch.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think that might be all, actually.
2: I I, I oh, read and a the wonder l- book. I, I I read a I've read a lot of Jeff Vandermeer, going all the way back to City of Saints mm-hmm. and Madmen, all his uh, Ambergris books, stories, mm-hmm. and books. So I remember back at the time, I was like, oh, exciting new new weirdness of Jeff Vandermeer. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jesse?
0: I've never read any of Vandermeer before, but I. I, I don't tend to read a lot of modern authors. What I was familiar with that? was um, he and I think his wife did an anthology that um, was called the – there's a new, one called The New Weird, but there was a one that I was interested in. was just The Weird. Oh, yeah. I have that. Oh, do you? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I look at it covetously a lot, <laughs> but I've never seen it in real life. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous. And I go through the – I've gone through the table of contents many times, mining – it for content uh mm-hmm. but no i have not i'm not super familiar with vandermeer other than you know he he existed on the internet as a as a presence and um so yeah i didn't i didn't really know what to expect i i didn't know about the awards that might have frightened me had i uh <laughs> known that they had got the because those are negatives to me now <laughs> <laughs> right when when something went to went oh okay I got it, um, and I was I was not grooving on the book for a long time, uh, but I I found my way to appreciating it at least uh, some, and uh, uh, similar to the movie, <laughs> uh, not a hundred percent on board with it, but I I found it difficult to find anybody's reviews that. Uh, I understood why of why the, they were talking that way, either, you know.
1: Of the book or yeah. the movie? Yeah, uh,
0: both, both. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I heard some movie reviews on podcasts, and I read some, and then I read some of the book reviews. And uh, I, a, a lot of the time, people just spend justifying what rating they give it, you know, like, this out, I would have given it three and a half stars, but I'm giving it four stars because I like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I think you can frame it wrong, but as usual, I did enjoy the Wikipedia entry and appreciate what some folks have done there in talking about it in the way that Wikipedia talks about things. Oh, I didn't check that out. Yeah, and I followed some of the the you know I looked for a more um, less star rating. Review And I found one Mm -hmm. somewhere, maybe New Yorker or something like that. I was talking about how this book fits into um, a, the Area X was a hyper object. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I read a little bit about that, too. And I don't totally understand what hyper objects are yet. But that sounded interesting.
0: Well, I was thinking about Paul when I was reading that. And I was thinking, oh, "Oh, Paul gets a hyper object. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Paul would know. Um, uh, big dumb object. He says genre, of yes. science fiction, right? It, it absolutely. It's a
2: It's a trope of space
0: opera. That's three yeah. world is the dumb world is the most yeah, and Rama, and I'm sure there are many others, but just the idea of here's this big phenomena, and you don't so much examine it under the microscope as you go into it and experience it. And mm-hmm. I think that that fits, mm-hmm. um, with both the movie interpretation and the book. And, uh, I guess the book is the original and the movie is the interpretation. Um,
1: yeah, I totally agree with that. In fact, um, I was, I was surprised at first when I'd give it to people, um, that people weren't as excited about it as I was. And I was like, what? Yeah. I, I really love this story, but, um. Then when I listened to the audio, I kind of thought, like, maybe it's almost better experience as audio because you can kind of it is more of an experience than a, you know, like a plotted yeah. story.
0: And you know, uh, if it was me, <laughs> what I would want to do uh, with the Kindle version, see, if you're giving away the paper version, it's not really much you can do. And the audio version, it, the cool thing about the audio version is it's ephemeral, right? It is not the same experience of reading. As looking at the text and controlling it in in the way that you can with your eyes and flipping back pages. Right. We talked last time, or at least on the last podcast I edited, about how you can't skip sex scenes, right? Um, in the same like in, in our altered carbon show, you you can't skim them yeah. in the same way that you can uh, in a paper book. You know, you say, okay, this paragraph's no good. Next, next, next. Okay, this <laughs> one looks good. I'll go into this one. Um, and one of the cool things about an audio monologue narrative is that it gives a sense of dreamlike quality to all the words that come before. Um, pronunciation is important, but even like how things read on the page, you can't tell because some words are identical um, on the page. And yet, in in the voice, that's also true. Some words are identical without the same spelling. And so um, I think of an example like in um, uh, The Man Who Japed, there's these little creatures. I think it's The Man Who Japed, yeah. Uh, the Philip K. Dick novel. Little robots called juveniles. And I'm hearing them being pronounced juvenile, but I also think of the word juvenile, which is a guy, Right. And I can't tell, just by listening, if that's a reference or not, because I can't see the spelling. So in an audiobook version, there is a sort of cool dreamlike quality to it. In a print version, you have more control. But I was thinking in the Kindle version, it would be really cool if you could fuck with the reader by changing the text as they pass by it. So they go jump back And it's sort of a fungal growth where paragraphs expand and contract and change.
1: (laughs) Which, yeah, which is funny because I feel like it's almost written that way to, like, it's almost like he wished he could do that.
0: (laughs) Definitely, and it is very experimental, and I and because of that, I give it a lot of leeway because um, this is not the world's greatest book. However, it is an experiment, and as such. I think it's fairly successful experiment, um, mm-hmm. and yet its results are not um, easily digestible. <laughs> In the
2: I, and I, people I think can that's explain the point.
0: what what's yeah. I you're right, Paul. That is the point.
2: It's it's it is. It, it I mean the book is almost like a manifestation of area X itself. It's there. It's I agree. kind of you you examine it. You you dive yourself into it, but do you really understand it? Um, well, I mean, this is one of the, I mean, as odd as some of Bandemir's earlier fiction has been, I mean, this, this is like him distilling, like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to screw with the reader's heads and I'm going to make, make this trilogy and let them try to sort it out. And he succeeds in that. And I think that frustrates people. So when you get to a movie, Alex Garland's like, how am I going to make a movie out of this? Mm. And so, so what was that experience like for you, Jesse, seeing the movie first and then reading the book? Yeah, I'm dying Let's to find, find out that. as well.
0: <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> I went to the movie theater, which I don't normally do. Last movie I went to was Blade Runner 2049, which was last summer. Is that right? Um, so I don't, yeah. Was I it I don't, that long ago? I think no. it was. Uh, I, I don't go to the movie theater very often. It's expensive. It's cold. I mean, in summer you like it to be cold, but in the winter you don't want to be cold. There's people wearing perfume, you know. <laughs> Some people talk, and the seats are uncomfortable. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not a big fan of going to the movie theater, but I will do it when I'm forced, and I was kind of forced in this case. Um, so I, I think of my experience as being kind of negative in the theater. But the more I think about the movie, the less I remember those painful. Uh, the trauma of childbirth, you know, as it were. <laughs> and I just see uh, what that, what the the good aspects of it. And there are things definitely wrong with with, the film, I think. Like what? Um, uh, I, I guess Alex, uh, I have a big problem with Alex Garland because he wrote this movie script for Sunshine, which is a really stupid movie incredibly incredibly stupid it's a science fiction so, movie that doesn't care about science at all and, and
2: it turns into a slasher yeah, film which I is know.
0: is ridiculous and i'm 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 not down with that but this is not that movie and uh he did have something to do with ex machina right and that's a good yeah, he, movie
2: yeah he he wrote and directed that
0: that's why i'm is thinking you know he's directed yeah. uh he has both good and bad in him Um, maybe I'm blaming too much on his (laughs) appreciation of Sunshine and so many people liking Sunshine as a real movie for some reason I don't get that
1: I have to rewatch it I can't remember it being that bad but I haven't seen it for so
0: long the premise is um, there's something wrong with the sun so they're going to go restart it Um, (laughs) (laughs) talk about hyper objects Um, there's this giant star that has a lot of hydrogen that it's been burning for billions of years um, but some people with some uh, unobtainium are going to solve it. It's,
2: <laughs> not, it's not even unobtainium; it's fissile material.
0: Whatever, it was
2: like it, it's basically they basically we're going to nuke the sun back into 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 a starting. Right. That's the premise of the. But the funny thing is, I know we got off track. That's not the first time that there's been a movie with that premise. I
0: know, and that's uh, the thing is is it, the metaphor for this whole movie, right? Is sunshine. Is is that staring at the sun makes you go mad, which is something people have said, but that's not a good idea for a movie. That's the ultimate problem, right? (laughs) Is that staring at the sun makes you go mad, and only a person who would only the mad people stare at the sun? Well, that's so stupid. Nobody stares at the sun, even mad people, because it hurts. So it's a stupid idea, and and thus it's a stupid movie. Um, Whereas this movie. Annihil- oh, sorry, Paul. What was the other one that you were gonna say was the same premise?
2: Um, it, it's a crappy movie from 1990 called Solar Crisis.
0: Right there you go. It's
2: terrible. It's probably it's, a- it's probably it, it, better it, it, than.
0: Oh Sunshine.
2: no 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 no! It's no no it's not better than. That's it right. It is. It is horrible. It's got some weird subplots that go nowhere. It, it but it's exactly the same sort of idea. Like oh yeah the 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 sun is dying. The sun is actually gonna have a make make a little flare that's going to destroy the earth but we so we got to stir up the sun by nuking it
0: mm. yeah you know there's a yeah, t- it- show with that same premise i think right now that's quite good i'm enjoying um called hard sun is the name of the show it's a uk show i think there's yeah. six episodes seven episodes out, <laughs> out something like that and um it doesn't actually say what the issue is but the it's like that um we did a novel uh read-along for it a couple years ago um Ben Winters, I think, is the author. Uh, Last Policeman, which is a novel about a murder—a murder that needs to be solved, even though the Earth is going to be destroyed in four years or something by maybe a solar flare or some sort of cosmic destruction that can't be stopped. And it's the same idea, except it's more thriller-like on the show. They're suppressing the truth or whatever. But so you—you you can do—you can do good things with. Bad ideas, um, but not if you you just you don't care about anything. So I'm not sure I'm not sure how he can produce a good movie like Ex Machina and also that other one, Sunshine, and also this one, which is somewhere closer to Ex Machina, but still not a perfect movie. So uh, I I I can't say that it's a great film, but there's definitely some merit to some of the things that are going on in it. And mm-hmm. and I think it, it comes especially in the interpretation of, I assume he read the book and said, okay, well, we can't do that, <laughs> right? Because it's all narrative and the, the, there's a big hate on, on narrator, right? You can't do it from an internal point of view that doesn't work on film very much and people don't like it apparently. But they did a kind of version of it. Right,
1: kind of yeah, like inspired by.
0: Yeah, well, and I well, think well, the ending's yeah. pretty, uh, pretty inspired by, um, and the slippage. I mean, it's all about words. That's the thing. Is the book's a, a word book, right? So you can't really translate that into film. Notice, there's no big piles of documents to read, in.
1: Yeah, they used video instead.
0: Right, and. That, that's why the Man in the High Castle show doesn't make any sense either, right? They they take The Grasshopper Lies Heavy and then they turn it into a video? So who's the Man in the High Castle? Is that Hitchcock? <laughs> like, it doesn't work, right? Um, there's something going on and it's not... It, but I think this works much better than The Man in the High Castle uh, as an adaptation because I think he's pointing to something at the end without saying what it is and and that it turns it into an art film. Uh, and I was saying, you know, Americans are not great at art films. But it's it's a pretty good attempt at an art film for a mainstream audience.
1: Yeah, I guess you could give it that.
0: <laughs> well, I, it feels like Tarkovsky or um, some I, I, Japanese I ha- movie with almost no words in it, you know. But it's, yeah, I, it's also got action set pieces and, I don't know, some
2: I, character I've stuff. Compl- I've I've seen it compared to Solaris, the original Solaris, right. not the uh, George Clooney Solaris. And that's a, probably a pretty good version. But what I was more interested in, we've gone way off track, is so, I mean, I, I had read this book A number of years ago, as did Marissa, so we had expectations of what this movie would be, and Mm. then we were confronted with it. It's like, wait, what? Wait, wait. The characters have names and not titles. Okay, wait. We we see stuff outside of Area X. That's more second and third book. Yeah. So there's no there's no tower. There's no tunnel. Where's the tunnel? I want my tunnel. You yeah, luckily I knew that.
1: No. I had the I had a primer before I went in, which kind of set my expectations right for that. Like, um, I think Jeff Vandermeer had said, imagine it's a different expedition, not yeah. the one in the book.
2: That's,
1: and that's someone else had said, just know there's no tunnel so that you're not watching the whole movie, waiting oh, for the tunnel to appear. I was which waiting was good.
2: for the tunnel! Uh, well, yes,
1: yeah, so I was, I was I, glad I, to have that expectation set. You
0: mean the tower? Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah that's the tower exactly it, that's true it did have a tunnel although i don't, it don't think it both. was the tower at it all had both.
0: <laughs> and i think that that's actually a good interpretation of what's so i was talking to my friend steen about this movie um because we're gonna go see it and he had read the book like you guys and he, and i said so was it was it was, it, was it a good book and he says yeah yeah i think it was a good book and I said, so what do you what do you remember about it? And he says, "Ah, uh, something about a tower or a tunnel? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, So but what, what I'm really getting at here, Jesse, is so so wh- so I had these expectations and Marissa had hers tamped down, thankfully, because she saw the Jeff Vandenberg thing that I had not. My what my curious is so you've seen the movie, then what were you expecting in the book and what didn't you get and what were you connected? what were you surprised by having the book that you had not already that you had seen in the movie that was missing from the movie, etc.
0: Well, I did see them a couple of days. You know, I watched the movie on Monday and then mm-hmm. I, I didn't start the book until Wednesday and actually I had to restart it once. Cause I, I realized that, Oh, it's this kind of book. Right. Um, and it's a very specific kind of book, but you know, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, I want to point out that there's no proper nouns in the whole book. Um, mm-hmm. which is very unusual. I mean, uh, the thing is, is, proper nouns are important for sort of signposts on your journey. And the whole book is about uh, taking down all the signposts, right? So they yep. have a map, and they're told what they're going to go to, and then, of course, the very first place they go to doesn't show up on the map. Um, so that's a sign <laughs> that there's no signposts. And then the fact that everybody never, ever, ever uses anybody's name right we get an initial at one point capital s i think um the ghost bird is not her name it's a nickname right um the uh territory oh sorry area x is not a proper noun it's a uh it's like area 51 it's not a real it's a Word you used in place of a word, right? Operation Overlord. You don't know what that is until you find out, oh, it's going to Normandy, which is a real place, right? On a specific day, H hour doesn't tell you what when that hour is and D day, right? These are words de- designed to prevent you from knowing unless you already know. And uh-huh. so um, it made it hard to latch on to anything. and of course that's why they changed it for the film, right where people are mm-hmm. getting names. Now, if you pressed me, I don't even under torture, I don't think I could tell you any of the characters' names in the film. So mm-hmm. I don't think that that's as big an issue for me as it is for other people. I didn't really have any expectations for the book other than, oh, it's good. It's only six hours, <laughs> right? So, I, I think the way I did it was perfectly fine. It worked worked fairly well. Um, but yeah. I did have trouble starting the book just because I was not in the mode for. Um,
1: it's, you definitely have to shift gears to mm-hmm. read the book. I think it's like, yeah, when you first start out, like I can totally understand why you'd have to like restart it and be
0: because I lost like, my spot, you know, and it's very easy to lose your spot when there are yeah. no signposts.
1: Well, it's also so dreamlike. It's like, yeah, um, you have to go into that kind of state, you know. So yes. like if you're if you're not in that state already, you kind of have to like put yourself back in that trance kind of.
0: Yeah, experience. I mean, it, some people described it as hypnotic, <clears throat> and of course that's right in the book. Notice that's mm-hmm. not in the uh, movie.
1: Yeah, I I it's didn't a trope. that.
0: So so this is this is this is the thing is hypnosis is really was huge in science fiction stories and and, and some other kinds of stories too but mostly science fiction stories for <laughs> decades decades and almost a century and now it's completely really gone gone away except for this book which I found surprising that it was back in here. So I was thinking like, "Oh, this is a science fiction book maybe." But um, I don't think it is. <laughs> it has science. You don't think it's science fiction? No, I don't think it's science fiction at all. Um, I noticed on on the Amazon website, uh, they had, you know, who likes this book? One of the th- audiences was literary fiction. Likes this book. It it, it is very lit thick. Yes. And yeah,
2: it kind of
1: straddles both. Like it's sort of.
0: Uh, it's Both really of a f- being litfic, and what's the other one? It's straddles
1: and, and genre. Well, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit. I think it's, I think it's kind of like horror, sci
0: fi. Well, it's definitely got some fantasy. horror elements. Yes,
1: it's everything. It's got so many,
0: yeah. So, <laughs> so many genres. So, weird fiction is really what it is. And obviously, yeah. that fits with the, you know, Jeff Vandermeer being into weird fiction. But, yeah,
1: do you know what it reminded me of what's that? the whole when I reread it this time? I was just like. This reminds me so much of um Algernon blackwood the willows
0: girl that's the way it's exactly written. where i was going
1: oh okay and, 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 and
0: be- i i asked you at the beginning do you have a copy because i want to read the beginning of the willows and the end of the willows and show you the shows like oh, show everybody cool. how this is this is really sort of a reworking of the willows in a certain sense that's cool mm-hmm. we're thinking exactly the same thoughts
1: yeah, and not only that, but then I I started looking for something like I was like, is he is this the Willows? And then I finally found an interview where he's like, yeah, it was inspired oh, by the Willows. Oh,
0: interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Before we uh, do that, I want to just read the uh, some people, and I think wrongly, um, point to H. P. Lovecraft. This is H. Uh, P. Lovecraft, and of course H. P. Lovecraft is weird fiction in a certain sense, right? He is the uh, star around which all other things orbit. Algernon Blackwood, great writer uh, of some stories, and mostly not great writer of other stories. Arthur Conan Doyle, you know, he wrote weird fiction before Lovecraft, uh-huh. but he's he's not the great star of you know the great gravitational force that around which everything circles. But um, Lovecraft wrote a, a giant essay called Supernatural Horror and Literature, and he. Uh, defines it at the beginning that's pretty good i've got it here it says the true weird tales has something more than secret murder bloody bones or a sheeted form clanking chains according to rule a certain atmosphere he loves that word a certain atmosphere as in certain <laughs> of breathlessness Oh, sorry. Breathless and unexplainable dread of outer, unknown forces must be present, and there must be a hint expressed with a seriousness and portentousness becoming its subject of the most terrible conception of the human brain, a malign and particular suspension or defeat of those fixed laws of nature, capital N, which which are our only safeguard against the assaults of chaos and the demons of unplumbed space. So, I don't think that... The book is very much about unplumbed space, but that is in the movie for sure, at least in part, and um, it, that is it is a it's an attack on the fixed laws of nature, right? That's exactly what the whole point of the this area X is is that we have found a wrinkle in in reality, and it doesn't fit and what's it like to experience that and go in there and, and look at it so if you squint a little bit you could say that the book is a metaphor for the scientific process right uh, what's that um, well, sorry Paul go for
2: it well, well yeah be, yeah, because I mean this the expedition in the book is all basically scientists or scientist types right and not in the movie but yeah not in the movie the movie the is much more of a military expedition, which I which kind of confused me. I'm like, why do they all have guns? What the heck is
0: this? <laughs> yeah, so the, the, I want to point <laughs> I want to point out that the, the the guns in the movie are AR 15s or M sixteen armor light right armor fifteen yes right so um, that's actually not the modern military weapon right so there's a kind of a nod back to uh, the book saying everything's old. Um, which is an interesting idea, and I want to look at that more. But um, it's also interesting that everybody has one in the movie, right? And they all have the same uniform, and they all have um, the same, you know, like it's designed to look like a military expedition, but twisted in a certain sense. And kind of, I had a problem with that at the beginning of the movie, and I sort of forgot about it later on. But the fact that the husband and the wife are both military people, that's a change up from the book. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember the
2: second and third books, whether they reveal that or not. Do you remember Marissa offhand? No, I
1: don't remember anything because about g- military.
2: Because g- they, they have stolen a couple of things from the second <clears throat> and third books to put into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, for example... In the, I think it's the third book we find out that the psychologist has cancer. We find that out in the movie. Right. But it's not revealed until the third book that that's one of her motivations, for example.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and the whole tension of disintegrating marriage between the biologist, i.e. Natalie Porton and her husband, is something that we get hinted at in the book, in the first book, yeah. and a little more in the second and third. But it's, it's brought as text within the movie itself rather than just being a hint. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is one of the things I loved about the book that just isn't in the movie. Like, I I way preferred that storyline in the book of that she was kind of you know, that their marriage had disintegrated and she kind of still had this feeling of affection and gradually getting to know her husband better like post their relationship kind of thing. Whereas in the book it was just like lady having an affair while her husband's away.
0: Yep. Yeah. And uh- uh, honestly, I felt all right, and I felt like it, it, it. felt pathetic and sad to me. That's that's yeah. how it felt in the, in the movie. Like, <laughs> she she says to her husband, right? And that's uh, one one of the things I, I want to point out. Is some people in their reviews, I've seen at least one person say this in their reviews. that's set a little bit into the future. I see no evidence of that at all. Is there no, any evidence? I didn't notice that. Is there any no. evidence that there's this is set in the future at all?
1: I don't remember any. None,
0: zero, as far as I could tell. So why do they think that? Because it's science fiction, <laughs> they think. I yeah. think. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, if you don't see any evidence of it, like the the thing is, is everything in the book is completely without specificity. On, uh, uh, do we get any species names? No. No. <laughs> These are scientists, right? That's the whole point. Is there? There. He's. He's, it's like he went through it with a comb, and he kept combing and combing and combing and t- taking away information rather than adding information, right? And that's why right. that word Lovecraft loves to use more, much more than the one that people think they, <laughs> he loves to use, which is, they think, eldritch, right? That's the one. He barely uses that at all. He loves certain, right? The word certain, uh, there was a certain document. <laughs> certain just means specific. doesn't tell you what it is, right? It's a great adjective. Um, So there was a certain creature. Well, in the movie, you can say, oh, it's either a crocodile or an alligator. Well, it looks like an alligator, right? Um, The pig creature that's in the book is, I guess, a bear in the movie,
2: Uh right?
0: Um, I don't know what kind of bear it is, but it's, (laughs) it's a certain bear, right? So when I looked at the screen and I'm seeing, oh, those are M16s. Um, that gives me a period of time. It's not the future. It's not the present. It's the past. And uh, you get a bunch of women dressed in military fatigues, carrying M-16s, walking through a jungle. What's that called? That's called a Vietnam upside down, right? Inside out. Mm-hmm. So um, if you think of it uh, visually, the quagmire there um, is... Is an inversion of of the Vietnam experience, which is a kind of a weird thing to do, considering that's not what's going on in the book at all, right? It's not the uh, the the biologist character um, is in love with the pond, the the pool, yeah, yeah, the the swimming pool, the swimming pool, right? She's in love with it she is obsessed with it and that is not the same that's not the the core of the movie at all she just she she seems to be more like a um i don't know just a wife and a military wife yeah
1: she was way less interesting like uh
0: that's really the big problem with the movie is that the characters are I don't care about what happens to them. I mean,
1: none of them. Like it, that was the same thing. Like uh, with the with the book. Like at least, especially as the books go on as well. Like I really was interested in the people. The psychologist is so interesting. Hmm. But uh, in the movie, they were just they were I, I don't know, just like cannon fodder. Like I could you could even though they tell you at the start of the movie that everyone's going to die which is great. Like that's fine. But then I feel like you have to work hard to make the audience care a little bit about the people who, you know, are going to die, but
2: there's nothing. It felt like the movie, try the movie tries. I mean, the, the, the conversation in the, in the, in the boat between, uh, between the bio, uh, between the biologist and the actress whose name I'm, I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, and and it, they talk about how they're all damaged and mm. and what what all their deals are and no but that's not enough like no. I I know I know the movie's at <laughs> least giving an attempt I mean it's not enough but the mo- I think I think the I I think uh, the director and uh, screenwriter realized that if you take away that centrality of character which is what this book is really all about I mean it's a first person point of view mm-hmm. and, we, and we never we never leave. biologist's point of view and and, it ends on a very strange note whereas here in the movie we have a framing story of her having come back after an indeterminate time being being uh, grilled by Benedict Wong and so
0: yeah the creepy guy from uh, that episode of um, the impossible planet right exactly the creepy guy from
2: the episode of impossible planet so we know Mm -hmm. everyone's going to die and she's going to survive so you trying to humanize the characters that you know are all going to be cannon fodder is a tough road to hoe. The the movie tries as best it can. I mean, look at the, um, look at the tie up scene where, where, um, where all the characters get tied up, tied up by the one that's going crazy because her, her fingerprints are moving. And, and I mean, consider, I mean, it's not said explicitly. We don't see it, but for her to have re- learned that uh, the biologist's husband was the, the previous survivor it means she had been going through everybody's crap, <clears throat> which is a underspoken and unexplored character riff. Like, why she's searching other people's things, and what is what does that have to do with anything? So the movie's trying
0: That's to a, eliminate things. That was a things. lift, by the way. They lifted that out of the thing. Right. at as a thing, yes. Right, and the thing is the thing's a great movie. <laughs> um so where that scene is not in the book, we've got some similar scenes, right, with tension and the and the I'm not going with you um you know firing the shot over people's heads and that sort of thing. Yeah. We've got Well, some that's of what
1: that. I I was missing yeah. that, like the kind of the paranoia and the suspicion like they put it in the movie but it was so clunky, like it was just like and now they're Yeah totally suspicious of it each was other and you don't,
0: rather than uh, a yeah, natural you don't, outgrowth I, of something
1: yeah it's like really because she didn't tell you about her connection to someone yeah, like now bullshit. everyone now you're going to tie people we up we all knew like it was the,
0: bullshit um however um steen when we walked to the theater and we we're talking about it a little bit my friend steen he, um i said yeah they they felt like they were on drugs and he says yeah they're on they're all on xanax right like it's it it feels like you know natalie portman is is the most dynamic of these characters, uh, I guess, <laughs> right? And she's like sort of, oh yeah, I'm in this movie and I'm taking a <laughs> lot of Xanax, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Well, you know, just, uh, 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 whereas, um, in the book, and I'm not a, agree- I don't think the narration in the audiobook is amazing. I think it's okay, um, but it feels like uh, the character at least of the novel, um is genuinely passionate, if not the narrator, um, is genuinely passionate somewhere deep down inside her about biology and ecosystems and the relationships um, that it's it's built into her. And so when we get those scenes where she's talking to the psychiatrist or a psychologist um, uh, and giving her the answers she gave, but also the real answers, right? Um, we get, you know, what are your parent, what are your parents like growing up? Were they good parents? Uh, average, you know. <laughs> so it's we get the sense of the we only see the the uh, Xanaxed version in the film, and we don't see the the, the deep passionate biologist. Um,
1: yeah, which <clears throat> I think that's why uh, the characters in the film, like what, what Paul was saying, is. We have these like unfortunate things that have happened to them trying to evoke our sympathy, but we don't see what they love and what they care That's about right. and what they want. And so you don't have that kind of empathy or engagement That's with them.
2: Right. Like yeah, we, we like
1: sympathy isn't damage. enough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to read the, the beginning of the book just Please to show do. that that it's – that this book, the, the book itself as opposed to the movie really evokes place and things right from the first paragraph. Yeah. So I want to read it for our listeners. The tower, which was not supposed to be there, plunges into the earth in a place just before the black pine forest begins to give way to swamp and then the reeds and wind-gnarled trees of the marsh flats. Beyond the marsh flats and the natural canals lies the ocean and, a little farther down the coast, a derelict lighthouse. All this part of the country had been abandoned for decades for reasons that are not easy to relate. Our expedition was the first to enter Area X for more than two years, and much of our predecessor's equipment had rusted, their tents and sheds little more than husks. Looking out over that untroubled landscape, I do not believe any of us could yet see the threat. I, I mean, when I when I first uh, read this book, read this book back several years ago, I, I got this media vision of like the, a desolate wild portion of Florida or the Georgia coast, and it just threw me right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the movie the movie tries to show a jungle, but it doesn't have the the poetic dreamlike beauty of this first paragraph
0: apparently it was from no, england which is really what? weird
2: yeah it didn't even look like a
1: wild jungle to me it looked like a um like a sit up with pot plants and stuff sit around which was a little bit annoying yeah. at times yeah
0: yeah I, it should I mean, have it was been beautiful. more it should have been more like jungly yeah cuz it, it one of the cool ideas of thinking about with the way the book has no proper nouns, right? There is no, there are no place names. Even Southern Reach is a combination. Like if you capitalize that as SR, right? Um, it's like a, it's an institution, right? Some sort of government institution. Um, it's just two things that don't tell you what they are. It's in the south somewhere. In the movie, how's he put it? He says, "I'll be in the same continent. Uh, I'll be in the same time zone." Right, so we know that he's, it's either North or South America, right? That's the mm-hmm. only thing we know. But we don't know anything. Uh, so that, that sense of a lack of specificity really has an effect. Um, and I want to compare that reading you just did, Paul, to the opening of The Willows, which has the exact opposite, right? But it has the same feeling. Listen mm-hmm. to this. After leaving Vienna, and long before you come to Budapest... The Danube enters a region of singular loneliness and desolation, where its waters spread away on all sides, regardless of a main channel, and the country becomes a swamp for many, mile, for many miles upon miles, covered by a vast sea of low willow bushes. On the big maps, this deserted area is painted in a fluffy blue, growing fainter in color as it leaves the banks, and across it may be seen, in large straggling letters, the word sumpf, meaning marshes. Now. That across it, in large straggling letters, uh, the word "sumpha" um, is kind of what this book is about as well. Um, Except it's not. That's on the map, right? Whereas in the book, we've got this giant quote that people keep quoting back to themselves, right? That's being written by the the crawler again, a thing without a name. Um, It turns out that is a is another character without a name she's calling the lighthouse keeper or something <laughs> um the the specificity of the willows is 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 exactly what he's going against and yet right he, he his companion is not a person with a name he's the swede right oh yeah and we never learn the narrator's name in the willows either um Paul will you read the end ending paragraph
2: of oh. Annihilation? Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: All, right. All right. I plan I plan to continue on into Area X to go as far as I can before it is too late. I will follow my husband up the coast, up past the island even. I don't believe I'll find him. I don't need to find him, but I need to see what he saw. I want to feel him close as if he is in the room. And if I'm honest, I can't shake the sense that he is still there here somewhere, even if utterly transformed in the eye of a dolphin in the touch of an uprising of moss anywhere and everywhere. Perhaps I'll even find a boat abandoned on a deserted beach, if I'm lucky, and some sign of what happened next. I could be content with just that, even knowing what I know. This part I will do alone, leaving you behind. Don't follow. I'm well beyond you now and traveling very fast." Has there always been someone like me to bury the bodies, to have regrets, to carry on after everyone else was dead? I'm the last casualty of both the 11th and the 12th expeditions. I am not returning home. Wow. So good. So good.
0: So here's the closing of the Willows. See, he said quietly, the victim that made our escape possible. And when I peered across his shoulder, I saw his stick rested on the body of a man. He turned it over. It was the corpse of a peasant, and the face was hidden in the sand. Clearly the man had been drowned, but a few hours before, and his body must have been swept down upon our island, somewhere about the hour of the dawn, at the very time the fit had passed. We must give it a decent burial, you know. I suppose so, I replied. I shuddered a little in spite of myself for there was something about the appearance of that poor drowned man that turned me cold the swede glanced up sharply at me an undecipherable expression on his face and began clambering down the bank i followed him more leisurely the current i noticed had torn away much of the clothing from the body so that the neck and part of the chest lay bare halfway down the bank my companion suddenly stopped and held his hand in warning but either my foot slipped or I had gained too much momentum to bring myself quickly to a halt, for I bumped into him and sent him forward with a sort of leap to save himself. We tumbled together onto the hard sand so that our feet splashed into the water, and before anything could be done, we had collided a little heavily against the corpse. The Swede uttered a sharp cry, and I sprang back as if I had been shot. At the moment we touched the body, there rose from its surface the loud sound of humming, the sound of several hummings, which passed with a vast commotion as winged things in the air about us and disappeared upward into the sky, growing fainter and fainter till they finally ceased in the distance. It was exactly as though we had disturbed some living yet invisible creatures at work. My companion clutched me, and I think I clutched him, but before either of us had properly time to recover, from the unexpected shock, we saw that a, mo- a movement of the current was turning the corpse round so that it became released from the grip of the willow roots. A moment later, it turned completely over, and the dead face uppermost staring at the sky It lay on the edge of the main stream. In another moment, it would be swept away. The Swedes started to save it, shouting again, something I did not catch about a, quote, proper burial, and then abruptly dropped upon his knees on the sand and covered his eyes with his hands. I sat beside him in an instant. I saw what he had seen. For just as the body swung around to the current, the face of the exposed chest tur- turned full towards us and showed plainly how the skin and flesh were indented with small hollows, beautifully formed and exactly similar in shape and kind, of, uh, and kind to the sand funnels that we had found all over the island. Their are Mark, I heard my companion mutter under his breath, Their are awful Mark. And when I turned my eyes again from the ghastly face to the river, the current had done its work and the body had been swept away into midstream and was already beyond our reach, almost out of sight, turning over and over on the waves like an otter. Boom, end of story. Boom. Oh and right, all the evidence is gone, right? And it's a natural world that they're in, unlike the explanation explanation we get in the, in the movie, which is, uh, honestly as much the color out of space as it is right. Annihilation, right? It's really the color out of space, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that that's hinted at, I guess, in Annihilation, the book, but in the movie, it's much more color out of spacey.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's not a bad thing, I, but it's I, not what you're expecting, I think.
2: I, I, I mean, the movie both tries to make a, give everything a complete sense of closure and undermine it at the same time. Whereas the book, I mean, the book indicates that area X has been around for decades, maybe even a century, even because they've had like, like 12 expeditions into area X over the years. And there's worries about it spreading, but it's always been like sitting there. Whereas in the movie, it's much more like it happened a few years ago. It's spreading, we're sending expeditions into it and we're afraid that's going to overrun everything. And it has already a run overrun stuff. And, but at the end, the the area X is, the thread is gone. It's bit, the, uh, the shimmer
0: is lost. Not at the it's, end at the, at the near end, right? Because the end, end has uh, maybe something else. Y- Yes,
2: yes, I was about to get to that. So, I mean, it's, it, um, for outside purposes, it looks like, okay, the shimmer's gone and the, the threat to reality, whether it be – and they, they throw all sorts of possibilities into it. But we see – we, the viewer, know what happened because we see the the image of that asteroid or, or bolide hitting the, the lighthouse. So we know it's extraterrestrial ultimately. Right, right. Whereas the psychologist was just throwing out theories left and right. But we know it was basically – something extraterrestrial struck the lighthouse and spread out from there. But the last part of the movie, and I guess I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the S word, but we are anyway. So, the, so <laughs> Oh I know, I know because we don't have certain people on this movie, on this podcast. I, know, I was thinking,
0: be, I was thinking the S you're going to name this, the person whose initial is S. I'm like, well, who's that? No. <laughs> Please <laughs> tell me.
2: <laughs> so, so I think, so at the end of the movie, um, the, the biologist's husband comes and uh, the biologist reunites and she she gets to realize that he's not her husband. He's he's the extraterrestrial duplicate mirror that got created.
0: Mm-hmm. But and that's not the end either.
2: No, well, oh, I was that say I was wondering if you had caught this. Did you see the look in her eyes at the end? I mean, they both have that shimmer in the eyes. Yeah, right? Exactly. 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 I was hoping. I was. I was. I was hoping I didn't spoil that for you, Justin. No, no. You saw that too, Marissa. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I, it was. It was not it,
0: subtle enough. To yeah, be, I was
1: going to say that. I yeah, think, it's like I thought it was so obvious. Like I was reading like all these reviews where people were like discussing like what the ending meant and stuff, and I'm like, Wait, but what else? I don't know even how else to interpret that. Like I can't even see the. Uh, it seems so.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, if it was me, I would have made it even more subtle so that it was. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like okay, how much how much lighting change like you get out with a micrometer and start measuring the screen and seeing how much the change <laughs> differs around and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think the, the film ending is better in a way than the book ending in that the thing he's doing by making it the color out of space by having this comet come down and I'm calling it a comet. Um, I know, that's not Hershey, what you Chrissy going Lovecraft, that's fine. That's right, well, I think it's a meteorite in, uh, in Colorado space, it's, it's... I thought it was a comet. Uh, it, it, it definitely has a core, right, whatever the thing that hits, so, yeah. I, it could be a, I mean, the distinction between comets and meteorites are probably bad, in the same way that dwarf planets and planets are really not that different, sure. right? Or Pluto, but continue. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, dwarf uh, Pluto is—it's like Ceres. It's—it's it's an object orbiting the sun, and it's big.
1: So, I love that we're that you guys are debating definitions on this particular. Well, I think it's import- <laughs> I think it's important.
0: I think it's important because if if I call it a meteorite, um, it does a, a bit of a problem. So in the film, I choose to believe whether it's true or not that the object coming down um, looks white as in yeah uh, a it,
2: it, it's definitely white hot yes okay wow and it's either white hot or it's white cold right i i thought it, yeah either way it's white so i black. think
0: i think that he's aiming at something uh in the film and i think it's successful um but i, I don't want to tell you in case you've already got it and you want to tell it because i i will defer to you if you have your own interpretation as to what's going on there but i i, I like my interpretation and Go, go, go for it, Jesse. We, we share here. Okay. Yeah. okay. Alright, so um, the Earth is a giant egg. And the comet is a sperm. And this fits in a couple of ways. First, you've got a, both a tunnel and a tower. Which, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to slip into Eric at Rabkin mode here for a while. <laughs> You're
2: going to Eric mode here.
0: Right. Um, That's fine. But I don't think that this is unjustified. I, in fact, I think it's probably designed to be seen that way, even if if not acknowledged um, in the in the conscious, in the unconscious and I think that that's where he's aiming at, if not um, explicitly stating and that's one good thing is it has in its favor, this film, is it doesn't actually tell you, right? It doesn't say, here is what we are doing now there are many problems I have, especially with the beginning of the film, but I, I think that Um, when we've got both a tunnel and a tower, you're getting a bit of sexuality symbolism but more importantly, when the comet hits the earth and it starts making the shimmer, right um, this could be seen as an egg being penetrated by a sperm and starting the process of becoming a being, right Um, and this is supported I think by a couple of things within the film itself so one of them is that Inside the tower, what's what's that shit growing all over the walls? Uh, I don't know. It's fungus, I guess, or whatever. But it's all white. And I was like, oh, okay. More sperm is sort of imagery. Um, and then uh, the beginning of the film, how does it start? Uh, with cell division. And we think, oh, it's an egg developing into a person. Uh, turns out it's cancer, right? Right. Um, and then we get the revelation that the psychiatrist or psychologist is... Uh, she's got cancer what kind? Ovarian cancer, right? So um, the sense that uh, you... Ha- the, I think one of the reasons this film is popular and probably shouldn't be as popular it is because of that, is that, oh, the all-women cast, very important. Like I guess so, but more importantly, it helps tell the story of... What is it like to have a being growing inside of you that is a kind of mutation of you? Well, that's kind of freaky, man. (laughs) And um, what's the relationship, this childless relationship between the biologist and her military husband? Uh, Well, she's cheating on him, and um, he's distant and going off to fight in Pakistan again, or whatever. So that that relationship not so good on my books, but thinking about when at the end they're reunited, right? What well, that happy ending is going to include child, child I mean, I think that there's something going on about that. And that it's not an ending, it's a new beginning. So you can interpret the movie in a much more simplistic way than you can the book. You can interpret it as um ooh, isn't pregnancy scary? <laughs> <laughs> And again, yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, it's not, It's. It, I mean, that's what cancer is, right? Cell division. It's the only real kind of immortality cells can have. They can live forever, but they're living forever in a scary way. Whereas yeah. when you create a baby, um, it it can live, in a sense, for a period of time, then cre- recreate itself by making another baby, and, and then that's kind of immortality, too. So I I think that the film works on that level.
2: There is is one little bit in the movie which also supports your theory. Mm -hmm. Did you notice the book she was reading at one point where she's in bed with her husband in a flashback? What was that? Yeah, what was that? The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh, right, right, right. um, um, For for those of us who don't know, this this is a book about the life of Henrietta Lacks. Um, She was a woman who had cancer, and her her cells had become... Basically, standard cells for I studying catch. cell division throughout around the world. Yeah, with and she's. I'm only until recently she's never gotten any credit.
1: And the the Lena character, Natalie Portman, um, does she kind of refers to that at the start of the movie as well? I think where she's talking about. Yeah, um, it's becoming expi- immortal herself. It's
0: explicitly yeah. stated. So I think that the the film works at what it's doing. And that's not what the book. That's not what the book is doing. It's do the book's doing something else. Yeah. I, I think.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think so too. Um, the book is the movie is a prism for the book.
0: Yes, it's one interpretation, and it's a it's a it's a it's a very filmic version of 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 a book that couldn't really be filmed as a film, right? It, I was thinking, could it be made into an audio drama? And like, no, <laughs> not really. Because yeah. the, there would be too much narration, and that's not really... I mean, there's a lot of scenes where we've just got a character alone in a tunnel, and maybe she's not even in a tunnel. The whole thing's very, very, very metaphorical. And, and so it can't be um, uh, easily translated into another medium. If you did a, a comic yeah. version, you'd have... I mean, maybe you could do something in the backgrounds, right? Giving sort of uh, Rorschach-like images in the backgrounds, but it, again, it's an interpretation that's different than than uh, what's going on in the book, and he's he's very deliberately doing something different, uh, trying to be experimental.
1: I'm trying to find yeah, I've heard Jeff Vandermeer say that a few times as well. Like yeah. his comments on the movie were kind of like, "It's beautiful, but it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's Alex Garland's story. Like it's not right, you know." He was inspired by the reading the first novel and kind of wrote his own, yeah. His even
0: own, his own area X story, yeah. So, do, yeah, do you guys. Uh, I thought I found it and I've lost it. The in inside the uh, wasn't it the Wikipedia entry? Did it have the um, the words that are scrawled in the walls of the um, the tunnel, or the tower? Because uh, did what have the words? So you know, there's this the. Choking vines, or whatever that the strangling fruit, strangling fruit. That's that's the one. Let me just see if I can search it up. I thought I had it here and I wanted to read it. No, it's not coming up.
1: It's great. That came from a dream of uh Jeff is yeah, directly. Very like much
0: he... <laughs> dream words, totally.
2: Mm-hmm. I, 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 I have it. Okay, there shall be a fire that knows your name in the presence of the strangling fruit, its dark flame shall acquire every part of you.
0: I've got, I've got the, a bigger one here. I don't know. Yeah, this is, okay. Where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner, I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives, while from the dim-lit halls of other places and forms that never were and never could be writhe for the impatience of those who few, who never saw what could have been. So that's the first sentence, right?
2: But there's plenty of passages. But whether it decays under the earth or above on green fields or out to sea or in the very air also come to revelation and to revel revel in the knowledge of the strangling fruit and the hand of the sinner shall rejoice for there is no sin in shadow or in light that the seeds of the dead cannot forgive
0: and there (laughs) shall be in the planting in the shadows a grace and a mercy from which shall blossom dark flowers and their teeth shall devour and sustain and herald the passing of an age that which dies shall still know life in death for all that decays is not forgotten and reanimated it shall walk and the world and in the bliss of not knowing and then there shall be a fire that knows the naming of you and in the presence of the strangling fruit its dark flame shall acquire every part of you that remains so it it, it is very <laughs> very dreamlike biblical sort of uh, word salad that yeah doesn't... i would
1: totally go to this church like <laughs> if that was a sermon
0: i would go there every sunday religiously <laughs> um so i i want to think about that why that's in the book and why that's in the tunnel. And um, ultimately, I think I know the answer is, it's just weird. And so therefore it can be in there. Um, But in being that so unsatisfaction and unsatisfactory and why so many people don't like the book or the movie, but more importantly, don't like the book, the negative reviews are sort of, they're angry that there's no explanation. And of course, <laughs> duh. That's the whole point of this book: is you're never going to get one, right? Um, what What I think is cool is that it's very meta. He's got this book uh, that has no proper nouns. Um, it's a story of some lady's interpretation of what's going on, and we know right from the beginning she's. It's not that she's the unreliable narrator; is that the narration is unreliable? Either because she's an unreliable narrator, or the universe is a unreliable unreli- uh, giver of knowledge for her to perceive. Um, one of the thoughts that went through my head while reading the book is, "Oh, she's she's in a coma. <laughs> <You know? laughs> None of this is happening. Area X doesn't mm-hmm. exist. It's very dreamlike." Um, the uh, by the way, I want to point out that there is a tower in um, in. Uh, the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. Paul, did you do that show? Um, I don't believe I did. Okay, so The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath is one of a couple of novels that Lovecraft wrote, and it's all set in the Dreamlands. It's pretty amazing. Um, if you read um, the uh, Providence uh, by Jason Burroughs and
2: Oh wait, yeah, yeah, yes, I did. Alan Moore. Yes, okay, that was that, Yeah, that was back in 2016. Yeah, that was a yeah. while
0: ago. There's a tower in in both. Uh, that and the in providence adaptation makes it even more clear um a a lot of people see you know like eric um you know it's hard to imagine how much sexuality he sees in everything but he i think he's pointing (laughs) to real things like um when we did a show on um rapunzel it's like holy crap this is only a sex story I was like, I think you're right. It's <laughs> really evident. Wow. I was like, I, it, it's so weird, right? Because we think, well, it's just a, you know, everybody knows Rapunzel. It's just a story of the lady whose hair grows. Well, yeah, but uh, hair growth is like plant growth in a, in a major sense. And, and the thing, her name, Rapunzel, a.k.a. Rampion, is a kind of uh, root that people who are pregnant crave, um it's like, wow, okay. And then she gets pregnant and then oh. they go off to live in a desert. And it's like, okay, this is kind of a retelling of Garden of Eden in a certain sense. It's like, wow, that's really interesting. So underneath a lot of stuff, um, uh, whether I like it or not, and I, I tend not to like it, um yeah. is sex. And so Welcome to the world, Jesse. Uh, well, the thing is is you know, I, I, I why I love Lovecraft is not because uh, I see, you know, Dagon as a giant sex fetish thing or a fear of sex, um, but rather it's it's about the cosmic. It's about the realization that we're not just animals and that we have the potential not to only think about eating and fucking because that's kind of just sad. Makes me sad. <laughs> I want to be something a little more um, elevated than that. I hope to be, but when you look at um, the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, and you look at the symbology uh, as as uh, Mo- Alan Moore points out, I think very effectively with Jason Burrows's art, is that a lot of it is very sexual, and the dreams uh, that inspired the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath are, I don't think Lovecraft has necessarily it sees what he's done, but literally there is a tower in there, right? And from the tower shoots up to the moon um, a big stream of cats. Um, and the <laughs> big stream of cats is white cats. And they all go up to the moon, which is this female thing in the sky. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like starting to see it when you point it out that way, Mr. Alan Moore. I, I see it. Yeah, this is like, uh, it's a sex dream kind of, right? So,
1: it's hard to know sometimes like how much of that is written in and how much is in the people interpreting it. I know it. Like, that. I guess but it's, you can see. It's got to be six in a lot of things.
0: Yeah, the thing is, is yeah. I mean, once you start looking, uh, I I I think it's pretty hard not to see it. But ultimately, that is really what makes us different from rocks, right? Is the formation of rocks is I mean, it's it's a process, you know, metamorphism and uh, you know layering Organism, and stratification. Yeah. <laughs> Transformation through heat and, like, uh, right. but other than, you know, we, we can't compare ourselves to electrons sharing valence shells. We have to compare ourselves to something. Um,
1: but that's why I like this, um, the Southern Reach books, because I feel like they're not about mammal sex at all. I agree. It's, it's way more about, like, the um, ecosystems or, yes. like,
0: it's colonizing,
1: like, different kinds of recreation. And it's, totally it's not bigger. that, like, really. Yeah,
0: but I, I wanna I wanna connect this up. So why that that weird, you know, word salad sentence that just goes on and on um, goes? I picture it spiraling into the earth. Of course, that must be what's going on, right? Spiraling a tunnel they call it, but I, I would say more of a a helix, right? And on the walls mm-hmm. uh, are being painted like a genetic code. Which is just words. Oh, that's cool.
1: I never thought of that. Right, and the thing is, is
0: words are magic. In the same way, the genes are magic, right? So when you lay down some words, even if they're word salad, and I do this all the time, right, where you just you say, let's write some stuff and see what happens, and then you say, okay, well that doesn't work, but let's move this. Oh wow, now this sentence sounds great. What does it mean? I say this to myself all the time. What does this mean? I read it and said, like, oh, that sounds really good. And what's happening is the certain coding, the way you code them, I just used the word, in a certain way creates and casts a spell. This is what speech writing is. Totally. Right? It creates uh-huh. and casts a spell in the same way that genes are a way of coding um, amino acids into yeah. creatures that can eventually, you know... Uh, build fire trucks and put out fires, and then go home and eat sandwiches and watch some TV, which is really weird. This
1: is like, this is like literally my job. Like, I feel like yes. when I'm editing someone's novel, I'm not like, I'm not telling them how to write or, or what's wrong. Like, what I'm doing is I'm reading it and I'm telling them where the spell is breaking. Yes, yes. So like, absolutely. you're look, looking for these like bits where the the magic suddenly goes, eh, and then you're like, oh, there it is.
0: The magic. It, it, uh, this feels like that's forced and it's it's like a, a piece of tape wrapped around yeah, something they're creating that's not this... flowing properly
1: yeah they're trying to like put this spell on my on my mind and on their readers' mind and then every now like when you're doing the first drafts it doesn't always it's not it's not always working
0: yes so uh, I think that it's important to see the book as you know being a meta text uh, or not a meta text uh, but a, a text in reference to texts and and this weird fiction which is, you know, we, we started that way at the beginning, before the podcast started, talking about the, the word thing, right? And how it doesn't have a specific meaning, that's the whole point of it, is it is... It, that's why the word thing shows up in so many weird fiction stories, right? Is that it is the sense of something there that is not definable as yet. And that's why this isn't a science fiction story at all, right? There's no... I mean, it's it uses uses science as a as an existent thing, and therefore it doesn't feel like a fantasy novel, right?
1: Yeah, it's like its own like it's that kind of uncanny horror slash. I guess that's what weird fiction is, right? Yeah. It's not. It's kind of in between fantasy and science fiction somewhere. Yes, yeah.
0: and and uh, and rightly pointing out the the body horror, right? I mean, Lovecraft famously has stories full of body horror, right? And You know, there's stories where he, you know, people are having their brains taken out of their bodies and putting into jars, and and there's the, you know, even in Reanimator, which is a kind of comedy, um, it's about having the horror of, you know, coming back to life as parts rather than uh, as a whole, and that's that's really important. It's it's seeing those fruiting bodies on the dead corpses and. And both being f- horrified by them and also, oh, well, this is science. Let's take some samples. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when, when uh, I, I found this to be very true is that if you watch a horror movie and, you know, somebody's gut gets cut open and all these guts fall out, right? Everybody goes, oh, oh gross. Yeah. But once you know the names of all the parts inside actual organs – it's not gross as much oh like oh that's interesting and look that that seems liver seems like a a very light color that's not good
1: oh it kind of it works the other way for me like the more i learn about biology Mm -hmm. and the names of things and stuff i actually get more grossed out (laughs) when i
2: think about the insides of people The, the the scene in the movie where the where we see the video of the of uh the biologist husband's teammate getting his body cut open and seeing the moving in parts inside. Oh God, that freaked
0: me out. Yeah, well, it's designed to, right? But the thing is, that, yeah. that's not in the book at all, right? Um, that's no. very, very movie. But that's very, very movie. Very, very. very, very, very <laughs> movie. But notice in films, right? When somebody has their guts cut open, you never see liver. You only ever see intestines, right? You never see uh, gallbladder. <laughs> It's all about it's all about the there's a lot. There's a lot of
2: intestines in the human body, though, Jesse. Oh,
0: absolutely.
2: It's it's a it's a huge organ. That's why you only see intestines, because it's so large compared to a lot of the other organs in there.
0: Well, some of it's small. (laughs) Small. Yeah, but it's a large intestine joke. But it's long. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm saying is, you know, um, I can switch between them. In the same way that, uh, you know, I don't know, electrons can jump over, you know, two shared uh, atoms. I can say, oh, this is a scary gross out scene, right? Um, And I think in the same way, you know, if you look at a movie like Aliens, where you've got, uh, which is uh, in my book, maybe the perfect film movie for what it is, right? It's the perfect action movie. It's a perfect science fiction movie. It's a perfect horror movie in many ways. What it does is it takes the certain aspects of Alien and ump- am- amps them up. And in the same way that Terminator 2 amps up certain scenes, uh, it's uh, Terminator 1 is a remake, right? Of Terminator... Uh, Terminator 2 is a remake of Terminator 1. Um, it in alien you've got a remake of uh, in aliens you've got a remake of alien well, my point is is um, H- hudson who is the coward the bullshit artist coward can suddenly s- become the hero in a certain sense right he can say fuck this shit i'm not going to be a coward anymore right and we can <laughs> i can do that in me i can watch a horror movie and go oh my god that's so scary and then i can all let- switch over to uh science mode and like um as long as it's reality, right? If you see a car accident, um people tend to rubberneck and look at it, right? Uh but if you're not gonna actually go in there and fix the fix the bones that have been displaced and, you know, patch the wounds until you can get to the hospital, you probably shouldn't look because you're only doing the horror mode. Right? There's two we can switch and I, I, what I like about a book like this, where there isn't any definable one thing that you can lay hold of, is you're allowed to switch around as much as you want, and the interpretations is is very very loose. And I think that's exactly why a lot of people don't like it, um, and also probably why so many do like it.
1: Yeah. You also made me think just in uh, when you're talking about Alien before we were saying like you don't really see, like, it's hard to know how a director or writer could interpret the book for movies, Mm -hmm. uh, for film. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that Alien is way more what I was expecting when I went in. Like, I feel like that kind of contamination story Mm -hmm. feeling. pregnancy story right? Yeah, people are being contaminated with these other things and you have that paranoia and the creeping dread of, like, what's going on? Who's who's infected, like I was totally expecting that. And that I don't feel like that's what we got at all. No, it just took all that potential out. Like, like to be honest, like I think most of the time when I was watching the movie, I was just thinking of ways that it could have been done better. Which Which,
0: which movie are you talking about now? Annihilation? Annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah.
1: Um, and it, I don't usually do that when I'm watching a movie. Like I usually just take it as it is. But maybe think, maybe because I, I love the it's book so I think because I
0: watched it first and then read the book that I didn't have um, that problem. But
1: yeah, I told you that. I think that I think I said last yeah. time. Like I feel like I should just watch the movies first because I'm going, doing the other way. I'm just always disappointed. Yeah, I think
0: that makes <laughs> sense. Yep. Yeah. I, I I can't say it was a good movie exactly because no. because no
2: no no I, I'm going to disagree. It's a good movie. If you take it as a movie and don't take it as an adaptation of the book.
0: No, I just yeah, I,
2: I, and, and, and it's a very fine, it's a of. very fine line for me to kind of, kind of split a hair on. But if you, I mean, for for the vast majority of people who are going to see the film, unfortunately, that's not going to be so many because of the way they're distributing it. That's a vastly larger pool than people are actually going to read the I, book. I, I would think.
0: much prefer to watch it on Netflix myself, just because um, I can pause it. And read the read the text, you know uh, the sub, subtitles. I love reading subtitles yeah. because it's something to Sometimes ground myself in, you know. But I, so, I'm saying I'm saying Paul that I'm not even comparing it to the book. I'm just saying as a, a film, uh, although I appreciate, you know, the the nice metaphor that he's going for. Honestly, the characters are just no. They're, they're not humans. They're Xanaxed humans, and I don't care about exactly. Xanaxed that,
2: humans. That is, that, is a, that is a weakness. I think and, it's and, a good movie,
0: but it's, the characters could have been better. It's so, uh, so many movies do that, where they, they place themselves in the context of our reality by referring to things that are happening now, like... When she says, uh, "Are you are you gonna give me a hint? Are you, are you speaking Pashtun? Are you polishing your Pashtun? Because going to Pakistan again or Afghan? Like that's not in the book. That grounding is to ground people who are in the. It made me like think. Okay, it's a now we're and I and I, I don't think that that's the intention. But for me, that made me think. Okay, so this whole southern reach area is just a is a metaphor for the continual war on terror that will never end. 17 years going in and you still keep going, everything's fine. And that's not what he's going for, right? That's not the mess. I, I don't see that that is the message at all. I think that that's a mistake, but it's an attempt to ground it for people and make it relatable when he should have gone the other way and, and made it a real art film instead of a yeah. um, whatever half-assed art film blockbuster you was going for which is yeah and speaking of like sorry carry no on. no I, that's basically what i was saying yeah i'm good as i said
1: just um speaking of relatable considering this is a movie of all women yeah like I, they were so unrelatable and they're so not how women speak to each other like the scene where they're all sitting at the table and mm-hmm. like you go talk to her you go talk to her it's like are we 12 years old yep. like we're, we're grown adults we don't talk like that Yep, it's we're all probably useless. So
0: 12 stupid. <laughs> yeah. We're all in high school. It,
2: yeah. It's
0: it, it,
1: it. the
0: thing is is I think that you know uh, he knows he, he knows better what he's doing than I do. I just don't appreciate being talked down to like I'm 12 years old. Right. And the thing is is I didn't appreciate it when I was 12, but I don't think a lot of people perceive it that way. I, like I get a I laugh and get offended when people say things on, you know, CNN. Like, like, seriously, you're, 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 who the fuck are you to talk to people like that, you idiot? How dare you insult <laughs> me in that way? And then I think most people are like, what? You, you, you're, you're paying attention to what they say? Or, like, yeah, I, I and that's that's the thing is, is all the for, you know, everything that isn't set in the shimmer to me. Hurts the film in a way right. that it shouldn't. But it has to because he's 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 concretized it. I know what model of assault rifle it is, and in the yeah. book I have no idea. It could be a World War World War II gun, or it could be a World War One gun. It could be a Vietnam era. It doesn't say, and I don't need to know, and that's the point. But as soon as you start yeah, that- modeling and you know naming countries and uh, uh, the other thing I was thinking is like, um. I like not having this area X as a being a existent in our world, but not not mentioned much, right? Whereas in the world that we see at the beginning of the film, um, the environmental disaster that they claim, uh, and they claim in the book too, right? There's some sort of military screw up or whatever, um, which reminds yeah, me like of story. Steve, yeah, Stephen King, right? So. They don't cover that at all on the... uh, uh, You you know, we don't... In a normal Hollywood film, what they would do is they would show some MSNBC reporter saying, you know, still uh, rumors about Territory X or Area X, right? Um, So it just... It's like, I pay enough attention. I should know about this thing. I've heard of Area 51, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I think it just is damaged by all that stuff. And... And I think the book yeah. it does the opposite. And the book is actually exactly, better because yeah. of that. It's all Yeah, drama, I didn't want right? to be
1: the... Yeah, like when I went into the movie, I, I tried to set my expectations and I didn't want to be the person who's like, it's not as good as the book. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I feel like I'm almost more angry at the movie because I feel like I am exactly their audience. Like mm-hmm. a slow, mm-hmm. creeping horror movie full of dread and weirdness and uncanny and, and unanswered questions. Like I'm all in for that. And I, I just feel like it was so disappointing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, they do a, uh, in the Shimmer. They do a fairly good job, right? With the yeah, the people that look the, the plants that look like people, and
1: yeah, that was they were beautiful. The, and the
0: bears, everybody likes the two bears with the flowers scenes. growing out of their antlers, and that they're twinned, and that's a nice preview of the of the you know what's going on. But yeah, it's it's not the greatest movie ever, and. And the book, I think, is is pretty good. It's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, every time I pick up the book and read parts of it, I fall in love with it even more. Mm-hmm.
2: It does a very excellent language, as we've heard in the parts we've excerpted. excerpted. Yeah.
1: And just so much, like, little things hidden in it, like when you reread it. Mm-hmm. I, it's just cool to see how much he set up and yeah. the little clues.
0: Yeah, and, uh, I mean, uh, the hints about, you know, the journals and the expeditions and, and the fact that this is all in a journal and that we, we're picking up and we're reading it um, that also is cool
1: yeah oh, by the way I heard I was listening to an interview with him and he said something interesting about the first paragraph mm-hmm. um, which I'm not sure I totally understand he said in that first paragraph where they're going in he says that's the that's the moment they knew the most
2: hmm.
1: which is kind of like it kind of makes me like rethink like what's actually happening to them through the story. Like, yeah. are they losing information?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. You know, like I'm thinking while I'm reading it that, okay, so this place doesn't actually exist, and that you know all the the lack of the lack of detail that so we we actually start with more information. Uh, we have you know. And they do that job in the film, and maybe if you re-edited the film, it would be better, um, where she says uh, they cross the border and then suddenly we have that jump cut where she's in her tent and she comes out and everybody's unpacking say, yeah, we all lost time, or whatever phrase they use that's slightly better than that. But, well, that happens in the book, right, is that they don't remember crossing the border. And... Mm. I mean, you can just think of it. This is this is the afterlife, some sort of hellish afterlife. This is coma state. This is dream state. This is right. And it,
1: but and she specifically says at the end. I mean, at least in her interpretation, that's totally not what's happening, right? She says something like, "If I was religious, I would read everything that way." Mm, but I'm not. I'm a mm, scientist.
0: Well, but uh, but I love that. I mean, what he does so well in the backstory, right? is that the pond, not the pond, the pool, and uh, I make it a pond. See, I'm doing the same thing the narrator's yeah. doing by calling it
1: a, <laughs> tower tunnel. a
0: tower and a tunnel, right? Um, that uh, And isn't there, yeah, there's a nice line in the book as well about how her husband thought he was traumatized by something in childhood and turned out it was a film.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was hilarious. Uh, I had not caught how weirdly funny that is. Yeah, and
0: important that is important because um, you know, just I, I was doing the sh- show notes, the editing for the altered carbon show, and that's the one where I tell the story about punching uh, the actress in the face, right? Right. Well, it turns <laughs> out that that I I had confused her with her friend, um, so I had to edit in. <laughs> A little segment saying, "Okay, this is (laughs) a month later after recording, and I've heard subsequently that uh, I was wrong, and I totally remembered as soon as she pointed it out to me that my sister told me that that never happened and that uh, it happened a different way because it was a different person." I'm like, "Oh, well, that makes that whole story stupid now, doesn't it?" Um, But that's exactly how memory works, right? And it's so, and I think we talked about that in the Altered Carbon show. About how important childhood memory is for laying your personality down, and figuring out what what's going on, what what memories are important, and how you you know you go over them and polish them. Um,
1: yeah, and what memories are even real at exactly. all? Exactly.
0: Like... And obviously, you know, it was a real memory because I when I was mentioning it to my sister, um, you know, I say, hey, that altered carbon show. Have you seen it yet? Did you notice who was in it? And and she, and I t- I started telling her. The story I was telling on the podcast, and she's no Jesse, that was a different person. And I'm like, oh no, you're right, <laughs> because it's, a, it's, it's a kind real of amazing thing. how,
1: yeah, and it's kind of amazing how many people don't know that the human brain works that way. Like, that always baffles me. Like, with these people, with the whole crisis actor thing mm-hmm. with the um, high school students, it's like they find little discrepancies and how the people are remembering stuff, and it's like, but that's how we actually. When something traumatic happens, you do misremember things and you do get confused and you do think there was two people when there was only one. Or
0: I, I want to point out you know, though like, that I was, I, and I'm very good at this, I think, about not being certain about anything. I even said yeah. what, at the beginning, I'm 99%, no, 99.5% sure that this was the right person. And I'm like, no, that 5%, <laughs> nope. 0.5% error margin is because I yeah. wasn't certain, right?
1: I have a, a crazy fake memory from recently mm-hmm. is when I I interrupted a kind of I guess like an attempted murder kind of happening wow. or something with a dude. What? Yeah, there was a dude strangling another guy in some bushes. Like, what? um, but when I pro- when I heard the screaming and stuff, I when I went up to look through this fence, um, in the in the light of the cars that were passing by because it was dark, I thought I saw a dude with his legs chopped off. Like it just was wow. bloody and like. So you know, I was just like panicking. It turned out the other guy was actually just strangling him, and they were covered in blood. But like in that moment, <laughs> in that moment, I thought he had limbs missing, and I still have that like really vivid memory of seeing this guy with his legs chopped the thing off. Thing
0: in
1: the bushes. <laughs> yeah, the screaming thing in the bushes. Wow. But I was yep. just in so much panic, I'm, you know. Like,
2: yeah, I mean m- m- memories and false memories and yeah. recollections are. I feel so are, are or, or, and attention is also self-reinforcing, so you start thinking about that memory, yes. mm-hmm. and you and 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 the details harden and change and form oh, in your yeah. mind, mind until like you they wind up being at odds with what actually "quote unquote" really happened because you just remember every time you remember it, you're just laying down those tracks again, and it's so spiral of words, spiral the spiral of words, just like this and
0: book and just like this movie.
1: Yeah, in ten or twenty years, we'll be doing a podcast, and I'll be telling you the story about the guy that had his legs chopped off in the bushes.
0: <laughs> I wanna, I wanna ask you since I'm not gonna read the second and third book. Um, Damn! Oh, you're not gonna. No, I never read ser- uh, series things, and you know I got you know, the idea, so I'm good. So I want you to spoil it a hundred percent for me because I. I, I, can't oh, I want you to
1: read it I want you to read those books it's so bad because they're no. so they're so different they're not like regular sequels yeah, I like I heard that
0: the I second one think is set at the uh, the Southern Reach headquarters
2: at the facility yeah that's authority
0: okay so do do we enjoy what do we enjoy about the second and third book
1: well, I think I think Paul was saying he didn't enjoy the second one. I it, it's so different. It's a it's a story about an, an agency and dysfunctions in an agency and um someone described it as Cas- Casco F, which is Casco which is what i think Yeah, that's like weird
0: is. fiction, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's really it's kinda of disappointing to read that after this one where you wanna be back in the mm-hmm. world of annihilation mm-hmm. and with all the biological horror. It kinda of feels weird, but I think that book actually kinda of haunts me more than hmm of all three of them, I think that's the one that I think of most often and that it's almost more haunting because it's so mundane and different and weird.
0: Well and that makes me want to read Kafka now. Because um, mm. uh, he's he's good in maybe the castle or
2: Yeah. Just read the second book. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I I, yeah, yeah, I mean I, I don't see Yeah, the, see thir- it the third one, but...
2: yeah, the, th- third one the, the third one does bring us back to Area X and mm-hmm. and and, and the, the opening to that book, which I'm gonna read it's just as evocative as the opening to the first book. Mm-hmm. It's actually in the second person, which is kind of weird. Okay. Just out of reach, just beyond you, the Russian froth of the surf, the sharp smell of the sea, the crisscrossing shape of the gulls, their sudden jarring cries. An ordinary day in Area X, an extraordinary day, the day of your death. And there you are, propped against a mound of sand, half sheltered by a crumbling wall. The warm sun against your face and the dizzying view above of the lighthouse looming down through its own shadow. The sky has an intensity that admits to nothing beyond its brute prison. There's sticky sand glittering across a gash in your forehead. There's a tangy glottal something in your mouth dripping out.
0: Hmm. Isn't that good? That's good. I noticed on the poster, I I, I like that. Uh, On the poster, the tagline for the movie is fear what's inside. Um Mm. now I think we're supposed to interpret it the first way which is inside the shimmer zone or whatever right but also fear what's inside is you know your guts your that baby that's growing inside of you your ovaries you know becoming uh, cancerous and uh, you know I mean that's it, it I don't think it's psychological headspace fear as much as um, physical ho- movie you know, body horror fear um, mm-hmm. there's a scene in the movie where the lady one of the ladies starts walking off and you can see like flowers sprouting from her arms as she walks into the jungle and then disappears right around the corner mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that's like sort of the better one of the better parts of the film where you've got these um, explanations that are filmic um, when we fu- in the book when I found the, I found when, <laughs> when I found the uh, anthropologist at the uh, in the tunnel in the tower uh-huh. um, I was surprised I was like oh that's interesting um, what happened and I guess do, do we ever find that out in the third book um, exactly you know what's going on because we re- revisit these characters
2: we revisit the psychologist mm-hmm. mainly in the third book. It's really and the biologist kind of yeah, and, and the biologist kind of so. The, I mean, the anthropologist got killed by the crawler. That's that's in the first book. That's pretty straightforward.
0: Yes, but remember the psychologist said uh, she went back to the the border.
2: But she lied. I mean, did we find her body in I'm the I'm wondering first if book?
0: she did lie, though. Oh no! Oh, oh no! She, I. She,
2: she, she, no, she definitely liked this. I saw. The psychologist brought the anthropologist down to confront the crawler. Things went badly. The crawler killed the anthropologist. That's the psychologist, the psychologist came story. up and and, and, and then the, and the psychologist then tries to hypnotize everybody into accepting the whole idea that the anthropologist went back to the border and we should continue on. Mm-hmm. But then the biologist, but, who's already been affected... but the anthropologist then
0: sends. Oh, sorry, the psychologist then sends them down to see the the anthropologist, right?
2: No, no, they don't get that far in that point. They just see some of the words, and that's it. They don't actually see... The- oh, wait, wait, wait. They, uh, they, uh, they do find uh, the body. So, yeah, the it, story yeah, it,
0: doesn't make sense, right, it, it, as a straight-up story. So, the border situation, I mean, it's very interesting that's, that hypnosis is used, because it's not used in the in the movie at all. And the, hypnosis is, is a very interesting phenomenon, but it... As it's used in science fiction, it tends to be sort of a, um, you know, thinking of starship troopers, right? They they get conditioned for uh, fear, fear situations and instant response to certain keywords. It's very science fictional usage, um, and it goes right back to a great story. Uh, Marissa, you should totally read it. You'll love it. Um, Paul, I don't know if you've read it. It's called uh, The Parasite by um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle a terrific yeah, story okay. of a of a lady who's really good at. Uh, she's kind of like a psychic vampire, and she she seduces and controls the uh, the narrator, and he loses hmm. time. It's a pretty amazing story. Um, that sounds awesome. It is really awesome. I don't, I don't know if I've actually read it. Oh well, maybe we should do a show on it if I can find an audio. Maybe we should do a show Ooh, on if okay. we find an audio really on like, it. I really, maybe I've done it already. <laughs> I can't remember, but um well i think it's really interesting that we've got we've got a, a decent movie it's not great uh, by any means it's a decent movie and we've got an even more interesting book um, and it's not illegitimate it's it, it whatever he's doing weird fiction uh, literary weird fiction um it's good it's good mm-hmm. I, I i appreciated it and I don't so, usually so, appreciate so. modern stuff, especially if it wins a Hugo and a Nebula. Oh, my God.
2: It, 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 it didn't win a Hugo. It just won, oh. it just won a Nebula and uh, Shirley Jackson.
1: I think since this one came out, it's the one I've most wanted Jesse to read. Like just like just I really wanted to hear what you thought, but I, I also really want you to read the next two. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, it's almost giving me anxiety. I was like, he's got to read all three of them. I know you don't like reading sequels, but yeah, read
0: these. Uh, I noticed that we, I, I have a feeling that it's possible that it wasn't even designed to be... Like, at six hours, uh, that's pretty short. No,
1: I mean, they came out, like, a few months apart from each I other. It was kind it's of a marketing gimmick, one.
0: right? The, the, yeah, yeah.
1: I think they all have to be read.
0: Yeah, well... Yeah, uh, I, I really only do uh, readings for podcasts, so... We'll, we'll revisit it, okay? As a, yeah. as a concept, but <laughs> I'm not... I, I, I'm, I just... I tend to be very upset by... Um, reading more of material that is just not as good. So I don't want to read the Altered Carbon sequels again or try to. Right. And I, I really so, like so, Altered Carbon, but I can, I just feel so, so disappointed.
1: I, I like this one because I don't even feel like there's sequels. You know, that it feels like three big pieces of this puzzle that he's kind mm-hmm. of you know, you could have almost have read them in a in a different order. The almost, only and they thing all that can of...
0: possibly not spoil it for me is more information that makes me say that sounds great, right? That that's that's why that's what's wrong with the word spoiler, is that the word has the opposite meaning. It's the thing that attracts me to it, right? Mm-hmm. Give me information i'm not intrigued by a lack of information you say there's this Mm -hmm. place jesse you're gonna love it it's a thing (laughs) it's a real thing jesse i'm like i don't know about things you're gonna have to be more specific if you say there's a thing and it's upstairs and it's it's like an amoeba and it's moving around and like what the fuck is that let's go find out no i'm gonna run away right i I need more (laughs) information not less information to make me interested um, yeah, I have I've never found like knowing more makes me less interested in it. It's the opposite. Mm. I, I,
1: yeah, I feel the same. I almost like spoilers sometimes. I think I appreciate the story it's more. It's just I so badly
0: named because it's it doesn't n- almost nothing. you know, like if, Paul, you say the ending of the book. I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, tell me the ending because I can't figure out what's going on. The lady goes off in a boat, maybe. And leaves her journal behind, maybe. Uh, well, you know, she definitely leaves a journal behind
2: because we're reading it, so that's implicit. But, and it—I mean, I, I mean, we could spend another couple of hours talking about the movie versus the book as far as the whole framing sets of devices and what's used. Yeah, maybe I this mean, could be a much ha- better found a-
0: footage movie. Now that I think about it, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I think for that sure. might. Yeah, rather than having Benedict Wong uh
0: interrogate uh yeah make <laughs> interrogate it interrogate Natalie Portman make it a um, and shoot it on regular film or videotape videotape that, That's might, an old... that
2: might that would have been an interesting interpretation to have it all fa- all found I'm not a footage. big
0: fan of shaky cam but I think it it, it would work fairly well did you guys sh- sh- shaky cam here would have been a I think it bug, totally I would think. have been I, I also want to compare this film to um uh, another movie based on a film oh no Based on a no, a movie based on a book um, that you guys should see. It's on Netflix. It's called The Ritual, Um, and I think it's four guys going out for a hike in the woods. Of yeah, very good. Um, They go out for a hike in the woods of um, Sweden, Um, and it has a. It's actually a much better film than, than Annihilation. Um, and it's also going to, they're both on Netflix, so you can do a nice side-by-side comparison at some point, right? But the, the ritual is four guys go out for a hike in the woods as sort of a reunion for their college days. They leave the wives behind. Um, but before they do, they get into a, an incident at an alcohol store um, where two of the guys go in to buy some alcohol because they need to drink more or whatever. Um, and then there's a robbery in progress and one of them is killed. And for the rest of the film, there's a haunting that happens that's just psychological. It's a, it's a psychological haunting about having to do with basically the one of the characters not being able to act, uh, you know, not being able to do anything while his friend is attacked. And I think... The psychology works amazing, amazingly better there, and it's not like a big a budget movie or anything, but it's Lovecraftian in a certain sense. It's got sort of uh, Norse mythology uh, combined into it, and I, I think um, it would uh, – I don't need to read the book, I don't think, but I think you should definitely check out the film. So it's good.
1: Mm, I will. I, I think um, – I mean, as soon as you say it's a hike movie, I'm like in it's ah, <laughs> Right, I forgot. <laughs> the same with yeah. the, with this book and the movie as well oh, that's like another reason it's, it's why it's, it's totally yeah it's like yeah let's go hide beautiful and creepy photography
0: stuff. of um yeah. <laughs> of these swedish I, mountains i am I, I i
2: am i am writing it down and i think we've reached uh, the conclusion of our annihilation I think
0: you're right podcast we've been completely destroyed by it <laughs> uh why is it why is it called annihilation in the movie
1: um
2: huh. but the psychologist says at one point, oh this, she this it out is
1: randomly. <laughs> yeah, All right, it's okay, it, it's
2: gonna be annihilated. <laughs> Everything's gonna be annihilated. That was weird. Yeah, that, that 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 felt almost special pleading on her part to make that work. With
1: the light coming out of her mouth and just that whole episode. Oh was... god
2: that, Yeah. You know uh, it's past noon and I gotta get running, oh, so sorry, that's why but... I kinda put put in it put in things. Yeah. Um so I'm uploading
0: uh, n- nilhi means nothing, yeah. and A at the beginning of a word means nothing. So annihilation kind of destroys itself, doesn't it? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Nilhi, n- 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 nil-hi means nothing. And, you know, atheist is a person who doesn't believe. Uh, theist is a person who does. And annihilation is a nothing of a nothing. So. Something. Uh, what's it mean in the book? Um.
2: So,
0: I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a title, Jesse. Well, it doesn't mean anything.
2: <laughs> no, I, 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 you know I would never say that to you.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, it's possibly a nice interpretation. That's what I always say to my students. You know, titles are important. If you, if you sort of get stuck, go back to the title.
2: Annihilation, she shrieked at me. Annihilation, annihilation. <laughs> oh oh you know what it is we, we forgot oh we, oh! it's too bad the podcast is over that's the trigger word that she uh, has to have I mean, them kill themselves right, if necessary
1: right. it is that but I think it's more than that I as think well. so too like it may, it's, when she goes to meet that crawler and goes through that weird experience like I feel like I feel like that's where something really important is happening
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a love and uh, a Lovecraft story um uh, Howard's story called The Slithering Shadow. Paul, you were on that show, right? Um,
2: I don't remember, but just uh, just so you know, yes, you did do an episode on The Parasite in 2016. Apparently, I was not on the show for whatever that's reason. A great, that's a great story.
0: I must have been you, with Mr.
2: You Jim. Jim and, and yeah. you, you, Jim, and
0: Misa did Oh, that. Misa. Okay, good. Oh, you're going to have to listen to that one, anyways, uh, Marissa.
2: Which one
1: is it called? Cool? Uh, oh, what episode number?
0: It's called uh, The Parasite.
1: The, oh, that one you mentioned before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look that up.
0: Um, I'm over G- today because we spent... Oh, really?
1: Yeah, because that movie was so... It's weird. It's Did like, you see it last night? It, yeah. Oh. Well, I saw it in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and then we went for beers, which went into the night. But um, yeah, it is. What, I guess the good thing about that movie is that it makes you th- talk about a lot of things. Yeah. Like, we,
0: yeah.
1: We had a lot of... That's
0: important, I to think. ...to
1: talk about over know, beers.
0: I mean, there's honestly uh, having something to do is very important in a world with no meaning. <laughs> yeah, really important. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, you know what I, I make my students do? Um, I got these students I I have online classes with, and um, I say, uh, okay, uh, you need to give me three, <laughs> and the three are three n- new interesting things, right? they each have to tell me three new interesting things and I have to tell them three interesting new things before we actually do this uh, not show do a class right Um, and it makes me spend a little bit of time between our classes thinking of things that I can you know talk to them about because honestly I have no no, almost nothing in common with any of my students because they're kids Mm -hmm. and I'm not a kid I mean I might act like a kid sometimes but I'm not a kid um, and I, only thing we really share is the text of whatever thing we're going through and it's kind of awkward when, <laughs> like before and after class I'm like yeah you have nothing in common with me and I have nothing in common with you <laughs> so this is a way of ice breaking things in a way that isn't you know, the weather or whatever so just having that ritual of, well, okay, i got to have three interesting things. So usually it ends up being like, here's this weird new pop that I bought, just so I could talk to you about it, right? bottle of huh. pop or whatever. Or um, here's a weird flavor of, like, just something simple. Because honestly, if you don't have anything, you walk into the movie theater and it was just an action film, um, that's kind of sad. When you walk out of yeah. Matchstick Men and you're not sure how the con job exactly worked, you got something to talk about. That's important. Because there is no heaven, there's only this place, and that's the only thing you can do is try and get through it until the cancer comes, <laughs> <laughs> or the emphysema, or whatever it is that's going to make you gone, annihilated. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I really like that poster.
1: Yeah, the post was really nice. And
0: the visuals were oh, good. I'm so excited. Gen- uh, you know with the yeah, you know, I, I think was good acting. Needed some it was less Xanax, more coffee. Yeah.
1: yeah, when I look back, like when I Google it and look at the images from the movie mm-hmm. and stuff, it's like ah, oh, it looks so good. Mm. Like it r- uh, reminds me of those nice moments of like where it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've got a run.
0: All so right,
2: Paul. Thank you, you, sir. All right. I'll talk to you both soon. Sounds good, see you, Paul. Actually, actually, we don't actually have anything on the schedule next yes, week. Yes, we do. I just
0: uh, I was telling you that story by oh, that Mr. Thing. Jim oh. Moon called "Out of the okay. Eons," I think is that called, or no? Oh, that okay. Oh, thing you know who did, as we as didn't mention? I totally forgot that. Um, we did Algernon Blackwood, duh, but we didn't yeah. mention um, William Hope Hodgson.
2: Oh damn! Oh
0: yeah! So obvious, right? Um house on the borderline. Not just a house on the borderline, but there's a story uh, called The oh, Voice in the Night. You know that story? Oh. No, I don't. Oh, it's so good. It's about uh, this guy, he's a sailor, he's on the sh- boat and in the middle of the night he's on watch even though it's um it, they're in a a becalment, you know, like there's no wind. Um and he hears in the mist outside the ship, he hears a voice calling out to him says, "Do you have any food?" I was <laughs> like, what the fuck's that? He's like, not sure it's there. And then he sees a little lamp. And he says, come closer. Yeah, we've got food. Well, are you okay? What's going on? He says, oh, I can't come closer. Just, if you have any food, throw it out to me. As, uh, and he tells the story of his, his uh, shipwreck with his wife. And how they, um, they came across a, a ship on their journeys that was covered in fungus. Um, and then oh, wow. they, uh, they found, th- they went to an island that was nearby and it was also covered in this fungus and they ran out of food. Um, and then the wife starts eating the food, uh, sorry, eating the fungus and then it starts sprouting from her. Oh my God. Oh, it's so spooky. <laughs>
2: fruiting bodies.
0: A fruit, yeah, totally there's, fruiting there's lots bodies. Of-
2: there's, there's lots of fungus in Jeff Vandermeer's work. Just so you know, I, I
0: get it. Fungus is something he likes to write about. Uh, it's well, I'm just looking at that horrible picture of that that body that's exploded in the pool. Oh,
2: oh, that was all right. Um, yep. Okay, so um, take care and have a good rest of your Sunday. Yeah, you I got to run. I, right. Bye, Paul. I got to see you, two. Paul. Oh.
0: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. Well,
1: this tea is good. Good idea, Jesse. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I <laughs>
0: find it's helpful. Pro tea. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, before we start, I wanted to tell Marissa about this story because I really like it. It's three pages. It's called uh, Up Under the Roof, but I think it should be called... The Thing up under the roof, because there's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by Manly Wade Wellman. It was published in Weird Tales. And I'll just read the opening uh, paragraph and then tell you the uh, the plot. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I lived in a shabby old two-story house built square below and double gabled above. The four gables contained an upstairs room apiece, each facing a different direction, and the entire four making a cross, with a hall and stairwell at the center. The four and the side rooms were sealed, and plastered, and calum, calum calumside, which is like a blue paint stuff that you put on to keep it from burning or whatever. Uh, the front and side rooms were sealed and plastered in calumside for four, four bedrooms. F O R bedrooms, but the unfinished rear one held only trunks, boxes, and broken furniture. The part of the house, this part of the house, was hot and dusty and open right up to the peak of its gable. Directly above its doorway to the central hall gaped an empty dark triangle, leading into the slant-sided cave above the bedroom ceilings. The lumber room was called the garret. Uh, this lumber room was called the garret, though it was not a real garret. The real garret was the dark space up under the roof. Okay. <laughs> and then the next couple of paragraphs are about his his uh, living in the house. He doesn't seem to have any parents. He has guardians. And everybody's at least 10 years older than him in mm-hmm. the story. Um, and they all think he's an idiot. And uh, so he can't. He describes one time when um, the neighbor boy who is 15 years old uh, beats the crap out of him. <laughs> and everybody in the house watches. Um, and ah. then criticize him when he comes back in the house. And then he starts crying when he, he's, he's being criticized by the people in the house. So that's the setup, right? Mm-hmm. And then he talks about... the. Uh, the summer. I'll just read this paragraph here. The summer was a hot one, and my room in the gable on the right of the northern side had only one window. The sun's rays def- fell directly on the sloping walls, which were only the ga- which were sorry. I can't read today. The sun's rays <laughs> fell directly on the sloping walls, which were only the, were only the gable's pitches plastered in, affording little insulation. I slept poorly, bothered by strange and vivid dreams. Sometimes I started awake, itching nervously at armpits and groins. I don't know why he has more than one groin, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> hearing every rustle of the cottonwoods outside and the creakings of the house timbers. After a while, I'm not sure exactly when, I began to hear something else. So he. He. I'll just read a little. It's easier to read it, I think, than describe mm-hmm. it. Okay. Uh, Awareness of that sound grew upon me, first slowly and faintly, then with hot, terrifying clarity, over a number of hot, wakeful nights. It was something up above, between the roof peak and the ceiling, something big and clumsy and stealthy. I remember telling myself once that it was a rat, but the moment that thought came into my head, I knew it for a silly lie. Rats skip and scamper. They are light and sure this was huge and weighty of a bulk that i judged was far more than my own and it moved <laughs> i say with a slow unsure stealth that had sustained rhythm of a sort it did not drag or walk but it moved years afterwards i thought of a microscope years afterwards i saw through a microscope the plodding of an amoeba the thing up under the roof sounded as an amoeba looks a mass <laughs> stretching out thin, loose portion of itself, then rolling and flowing all of its substance into that portion, and so creeping along, only it must have been many thousands of times larger than an amoeba. So he, he keeps freaking out about this thing up under the roof, um, and then he, he finally decides to confront it, and he goes into the lumber room and looks up there, and through the hole in the attic above his room he can see it, Freaks out, runs out of the house, goes down outside, nobody else is in the house, gets the axe, an axe from a woodpile, brings it into the house, and climbs up into the attic and goes after it. Wow. Isn't that
2: awesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I love this story. Yeah, I was reading like, cool. what the hell is going to happen? And uh, basically nothing happens. Um, there's nothing there. But... Mm-hmm. Um, it's really creepy. I like I like this story a lot.
1: Hmm. What's the name
0: of it? It's called Up Under the Roof, but uh, I don't know uh, if it's ever been republished. I'm just uh, I haven't posted it yet, but it's going up shortly. Hmm. And um, I I really dig I really dig weird little gems like that when you're reading you don't know what's gonna happen and yeah because <laughs> <laughs> it, it it sounds like a kind of like a, a pocket Stephen King story you know. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I, I always tell uh, Marissa about my thing stories, thing, stories with things in them,
2: mm-hmm. if
0: you're wondering, Paul. Whenever I see <laughs> a, a story with a thing, the thing in the title, I send it to Marissa on Twitter.
1: Yeah, because we think... Things are a thing, and Eric doesn't, right? Well,
0: Eric doesn't think <laughs> things are a thing, even though things are definitely a thing. <laughs> what those things are, not clear what those things are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> definitely things that are different from other things. So.
0: Hard to do a show on things that are only things. <laughs> <laughs> let's um, let's do a show on uh, some things. Okay. Let me get my recorder started. Yes, please. Not oh, mine, I'm going to put go. my phone to sleep.
2: Let's get this brood on the show. Mm-hmm.
0: No. All right. We're recording. All
2: right. I'm ready. I'm ready.